Section 33 of The Broad Highway. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ellen Preckle. The Broad Highway by Geoffrey Farnell. Chapter 25, in which the reader shall find little to do with the story, and may, therefore, skip. Is there anywhere in the world so damnable a place of torment as a bed? To lie awake through the slow dragging hours, surrounded by a sombre quietude, from whose stifling blackness thoughts, like demons, leap to catch us by the throat, or like waves come rolling in upon us ceaselessly, remorselessly, burying us beneath their resistless flow, catching us up, whirling us dizzily aloft, dashing us down into depths, infinite, now retreating, now advancing, from whose oncoming terror there is no escape, until we are once more buried beneath their stifling rush. To lie awake staring wide-eyed into a crowding darkness, wherein move terrors unimagined, to bury our throbbing temples in pillows of fire, to roll and toss until the soul within us cries out in agony, and we reach out frantic hands into a void that mocks us by contrast of its deep, awful quiet. At such times fair reason runs affrighted to hide herself, and foaming madness fills her throne. At such times our everyday sorrows, howsoever small and petty they be, grow and magnify themselves until they overflow the night, filling the universe above and around us. And of all the woes the human mind can bear, surely suspicion gnaws deeper than them all. So I lay beneath the incubus, my temples clasped tight between my burning palms, to stay the maddening ring of the hammer in my brain. And suspicion grew into certainty, and with certainty came madness. Imagination ran riot. She was a Messalina, a Julia, a Joan of Naples, a veritable succuba, a thing polluted, degraded, and abominable. And because of her beauty I cursed all beautiful things, and because of her womanhood I cursed all women and ever the hammer beat upon my brain, and foul shapes danced before my eyes, shapes so insanely hideous and revolting, that of a sudden I rose from my bed, groaning, and coming to the casement I leaned out. Oh, the cool, sweet purity of the night! I heard the soft stir and rustle of leaves all about me, and down from heaven came a breath of wind, and in the wind a great raindrop that touched my burning brow like the finger of God, and leaning there with parted lips and closed eyes, Gradually my madness left me, and the throbbing in my brain grew less. How many poor mortals since the world began, sleepless and anguish-torn, even as I, have looked up into that self-same sky and sorrowed for the dawn! For her love in sleep I slake, for her love all night I wake, for her love I mourning make, more than any man. Poor fool, to think that thou couldst mourn more than thy kind! Thou art but a little handful of grey dust, ages since, thy name and estate long out of mind, where'er thou art, thou shouldst have got you wisdom by now perchance. Poor fool, that thou must love a woman and worship with thy love, building for her an altar in thine heart. If altar crumble and heart burst, is she to blame, who is but woman, or thou, who wouldst have made her all divine? Well, thou art dead, a small handful of grey dust long since, Perchance thou hast got thee wisdom ere now, poor fool, O oh, fool divine! As thou art now, thy sleepless nights forgot, the carking sorrows of thy life all overpast and done, so must I some time be, and, ages hence, 
shall smile at this, and reckon it no more than a broken toy, hi-o! And so I presently turned back to my tumbled bed, but it seemed to me that torment and terror still waited me there. Moreover, I was filled with a great desire for action. This narrow chamber stifled me, while outside was the stir of leaves, the gentle breathing of the wind, the cool murmur of the brook, with night brooding over all, deep and soft and still. Being now dressed, I stood a while, deliberating how I might escape, without disturbing her who slumbered in the outer room. So I came to the window, and thrusting my head and shoulders sideways through the narrow lattice, slowly and with much ado wriggled myself out. Rising from my hands and knees, I stood up, and threw wide my arms to the perfumed night, inhaling its sweetness in great deep breaths, and so turned my steps toward the brook, drawn thither by its rippling melody. For a brook is a companionable thing at all times to a lonely man, and very full of wise counsel and friendly admonitions, if he but have ears to hear withal. Thus as I walked beside the brook, it spoke to me of many things, grave and gay, delivering itself of observations upon the folly of humans, comparing us very unfavorably with the godlike dignity of the trees, the immutability of mountains, and the profound philosophy of brooks. Indeed, it waged most eloquent upon this theme, caustic, if you will, but with a ripple between whiles, like the deep-throated chuckle of the wise old philosopher it was. "'Go to,' chuckled the brook. "'O oh, heavy-footed, heavy-sighing human, go to!' It is written that man was given dominion over birds and beasts and fishes, and all things made, yet how doth man in all his pride compare with even a little mountain? And as to birds and beasts and fishes, they provide for themselves day in and day out, while man doth starve and famish. To what end is man born but to work, beget his kind, and die? O oh, man, lift up thy dull-sighted eyes, behold the wonder of the world, the infinite universe about thee, behold thyself, and see thy many failings and imperfections and thy stupendous littleness, go to! Man was made for the world, and not the world for man. Man is a leaf in the forest, a grain of dust, borne upon the wind. And, when the wind faileth, dust to dust returneth, out upon thee with thy puny griefs and sorrows. O man who hath dominion over all things save thine own heart, and who in blind egotism setteth thyself much above me, who am but a runlet of water, O oh, man, I tell thee, when thou art dusty bones, I shall still be here, singing to myself in the sun, or talking to some other poor human fool in the dark. Go to, chuckled the brook. The wheel of life turneth ever faster and faster. The woes of to-day shall be the woes of last year, or ever thou canst count them all. Out upon thee, go to. Chapter 26 of Storm and Tempest, and How I Met One Praying in the Dawn on I went, chin on breast, heedless of all direction, now beneath the shade of trees, now crossing grassy glades, or rolling meadow, or threading my way through long alleys of hop-vines, on and on, skirting hedges by haycocks looming ghostly in the dark, by rustling cornfields, through wood and coppice, where branches touched me as I passed, like ghostly fingers in the dark. On I went, lost to all things but my own thoughts, and my thoughts were not of life nor death, nor the world, nor the spaces beyond the world but of my Virgil book with the broken cover, and of him who had looked at it over her shoulder. And raising my hands, I clasped them about my temples, and leaning against a tree, stood there a great while. Yet when the trembling fit had left me, I went on again, and with every footstep there rose a voice within me, crying, Why? 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 Why should I, Peter Vibart, hale and well in body, healthy in mind, why should I fall thus into ague spasms because of a woman, 
of whom I knew nothing, who had come I knew not whence, accompanied by one whose presence under such conditions meant infamy to any woman. Why should I burn thus in a fever if she chose to meet another while I was abroad? Was she not free to follow her own devices? Had I any claim upon her? By what right did I seek to compass her goings and comings, or interest myself in her doings? Why? 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 As I went, the woods gradually fell away, and I came out upon an open place. The ground rose sharply before me, but I climbed on and up, and so in time stood upon a hill. Now standing upon this elevation, with the woods looming dimly below me, as if they were a dark tide hemming me in on all sides, I became conscious of a sudden greater quietude in the air, a stillness that was like the hush of expectancy. Not a sound came to me, not a whisper from the myriad leaves below. But as I stood there listening, very faint and far away, I heard a murmur that rose and died and rose again, that swelled and swelled into the roll of distant thunder. Down in the woods was a faint rustling, as if some giant were stirring among the leaves, and out of their depths breathed a puff of wind that fanned my cheek, and so was gone. But in a while it was back again, stronger, more insistent than before, till, sudden as it came, it died away again, and all was hushed and still, save only for the tremor down there among the leaves. But lightning flickered upon the horizon, the thunder rolled nearer and nearer, and the giant grew ever more restless. Round about me in the dark were imps that laughed and whispered together and mocked me amid the leaves. Who is the madman that stands upon a lonely hill at midnight, bareheaded, half-clad, and hungers for the storm? Peter Vibart! Peter Vibart! Who is he that having eyes sees not, and having ears hears not? Peter Vibart! Peter Vibart! Blow, wind, and buffet him, flame, O lightning, that he may see, roar, O thunder, that he may hear and know. Upon the stillness came a rustling, louder and ever louder, drowning all else, for the giant was awake at last, and stretching himself, and now up he sprang with a sudden bellow, and gathering himself together swept up toward me through the swaying treetops, pelting me with broken twigs and flying leaves, and filling the air with the tumult of his coming. Oh, the wind, the bellowing giant wind! On he came, exulting, whistling through my hair, stopping my breath, roaring in my ears his savage, wild halloo, and, as if in answer, forth from the inky heaven burst a jagged, blinding flame that zigzagged down among the tossing trees, and vanished with a roaring thunderclap that seemed to stun all things to silence. But not for long, for in the darkness came the wind again, fiercer, wilder than before, shrieking a defiance. The thunder crashed above me, and the lightning quivered in the air about me, till my eyes ached with the swift transitions from pitch darkness to dazzling light, light in which distant objects started out clear and well-defined, only to be lost again in a swirl of blackness. And now came rain, a sudden hissing downpour, long threads of scintillating fire, where the lightning caught it, rain that wetted me through and through. The storm was at its height and as I listened, rain and wind and thunder became merged and blended into awful music, a symphony of life and death played by the hands of God, and I was an atom, a grain of dust, an insect, to be crushed by God's little finger. And yet needs must this insect still think upon its little self, for half-drowned, deafened, blind, and half-stunned though I was, still the voice within me cried, Why? 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 Why was I here, instead of lying soft and sheltered and sleeping the blessed sleep of tired humanity? Why was I here with death about me? And why must I think, and think, and think of her? The whole breadth of heaven seemed torn asunder, 
Blue flame crackled in the air. It ran hissing along the ground, then blackness and a thunderclap that shook the very hill beneath me, and I was down on my knees with the swish of the rain about me. Little by little upon this silence stole the rustle of leaves, and in the leaves were the imps who mocked me. Who is he that doth love, in spite of himself, and shall do all his days, be she good or evil, whatever she was, whatever she is? Who is the very fool of love? Peter Vibart, Peter Vibart. And so I bowed my face upon my hands, and remained thus a great while, heeding no more the tempest about me, for now indeed was my question answered and my fear realized. I love her. Whatever she was, whatever she is, good or evil, I love her. O oh, fool! O oh, most miserable fool! And presently I rose and went on down the hill. Fast I strode, stumbling and slipping, plunging on heedlessly through bush and brake, until at last, looking about me, I found myself on the outskirts of a little spinney or copse. Then I became conscious that the storm had passed, for the thunder had died down to a murmur, and the rain had ceased. Only all about me were little soft sounds, as if the trees were weeping silently together. Pushing on I came to a sort of narrow lane, grassy underfoot and shut in on either hand by very tall hedges that loomed solid and black in the night, and being spent and weary I sat down beneath one of these and propped my chin in my hands. How long I remained thus I cannot say, but I was at length aroused by a voice, a strangely sweet and gentle voice at no great distance, and the words it uttered were these. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth for ever. O Lord, I beseech thee, look down in thine infinite pity upon this thy world, for to-day is at hand, and thy children must soon awake to life and toil and temptation. O thou who art the lover of men, let thy Holy Spirit wait to meet with each one of us upon the threshold of the dawn, and lead us through this coming day. Like as a father pitieth his children, so dost thou pity all the woeful and heavy-hearted. Look down upon all those who must so soon awake to their griefs, Speak comfortably to them. Remember those in pain who must so soon take up their weary burdens. Look down upon the hungry and the rich, the evil and the good, that in this new day, finding each something of thy mercy, they may give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. So the voice ended, and there was silence and a profound stillness upon all things. Wherefore, lifting my eyes into the east, I saw that it was dawn. End of section 33